Hi there, it's Tanya Stokes, and welcome to A Conversation with Tanya. So today is uh, May 31st, and wow, this is quite a historic moment because uh, I think every state across the country is in an uproar. Like, it's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a lot going on. Um, as it relates to people's frustration, uh, just recently, uh, George Floyd was murdered at the hands of a cop as he pretty much performed in front of a lot of cameras. There were a lot of people talking to him, actually trying to talk sense into him, like get off of him. He can't breathe. He's telling you he can't breathe. His nose is bleeding. Get off of him. Whereas simply put his hand in his pocket to apply more pressure as he kind of rotated or rocked back and forth, you know, to apply more pressure to this dying man. Needless to say, the young man died. And uh, so everyone's upset. And the strangest thing to me is the amount of people that I know personally with black and brown children who are sitting home watching this whole thing unfold. Now, I don't think you have to get up and be a part of the destruction, but there is something that you can do. Like yesterday and today, I went out there and just, just to look in the eyes of some of those kids as they chanted no justice, no peace, and say his name, and say her name, Breonna Taylor, say his name, George Floyd, say his name, you know, it's just to look into their eyes and see the pain and the tears and the frustration makes you feel like, I'm, I'm happy I came. Now, I'm from a family of protesters anyway. Like we're just, charity is is in our blood. Whatever is going on, we are there. And that's how I raised my son. It doesn't always take money. Sometimes it just takes your presence. And I met some very interesting people, some people of all races. Like you could you could see the older people trying to keep up. And most of the older people were with millennials. So I'm trying to kind of put the story together. And, and I had the pleasure of chatting with um, a couple of them as we walked back to our car. Because at some point, um, the leadership changed. <laughs> we went from chanting, no justice, no peace, and say his name to chanting some things that I don't wish to share on my podcast. So then I realized that the leadership of the group had changed because once we marched to the uh, headquarters, the police headquarters in the prison and stuff like that, um, the guy gave a great speech telling us not to tear up the city, which we weren't going to do anyway. Um, and, and he told us a, he a heartfelt story of, 
you know, how he's a father of many boys and how he has to teach his boys how to get pulled over and, you know, the things that he has to say to his daughters. And I can relate to that because I've always said to my son, you know, it's good that you have friends of all races, but let me tell you how this works. God forbid if you guys get pulled over, don't you be shocked when you are face down on the pavement and your boys are standing up on the side asking the police, like, is all this necessary? Because unfortunately, you have a group of cops and I call them the police gang. So you have the police department and then you have a gang of police within the police department that people keep turning a blind eye to as if they don't know that those guys are bad cops. So you have the police department that kind of follows the rules. And then you have this gang within the police department. It's their little clique. They pull the black and brown boys over for whatever. You know what I mean? Just what, whatever they feel like pulling them over for, like they're in a bad neighborhood or Oh, you swerved or, oh, you have a light out and driver's license and registration. And what are you doing in this neighborhood? And, you know, BS. And before you know it, it's, they're roughing them up. They're talking shit to them. They have them in handcuffs. The kids are complying. They are complying. Hands up. The hands are up. Or the hands are on the steering wheel. And somehow these kids still end up dead. And when the paperwork is written up, it's, oh, he was resisting arrest. Well, if you're beating me half to death, even though you have me in handcuffs, I already know what's getting ready to happen. What do you expect me to do? So my question is this. Knowing that this is going on and it has been going on for decades. Why in the hell are you at home watching this unfold? Please tell me why. I know some of you are going to say, oh, because, you know, if my picture shows up on TV, I may lose my job. Well, newsflash. You're probably not getting as paid as much as your white counterparts anyway. And they don't really value the way value you the way they you think they value you anyway. That's why we don't discuss salaries at work. Because if you do, you will quickly realize that your secretary, you know, the woman that works for you, probably makes more than you. I'm just saying. Or you will quickly realize that your assistant that has no education other than a high school education probably makes a couple of thousand dollars less than you. You may make, I don't know, 85. She makes 83. And you have a master's degree. Like some of us are sitting home because we don't want to face the truth. We don't. We don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and say, this is effed up. 
And I know a lot of people in law enforcement and I know people in the courthouse and everybody, they pretty much talk the same talk. You know what I mean? Well, you know, it's the law. Well, how often do you see white people getting pulled over and going actually to the morgue? And I've seen videos of not just videos. I have Caucasian friends that has like scooped me on what to do when you get pulled over, like how they take the mustard and eat the mustard. And when the cop comes to the car, they throw up all over him. And he says, oh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just just go home. Well, that shit doesn't work for black people. It does not work for black and brown people. You can throw up on them all day. You may throw up on him and he may put a bullet in your head. That's just how it is. And that's how it's always been. So whenever there's a, an opportunity to protest, I have been protesting most of my life, most of my life. And if there's a situation where I can't get out there, if there is some type of GoFundMe page or something like that, I am donating because I know it isn't right and it's never gonna be right until the people that sit home and watch TV open their mouths. Look at this Ahmad Aubrey situation. It's, first of all, they, they, they hunted that kid down like he was an animal. There was a video that proved everything that these people did. They went to his mom and said that, you know, there was a confrontation with this man's son and a gun went off or whatever, whatever they said, whatever they said wasn't the truth. And the video was in the possession of the police department from day one, from day one. So you're not going to tell me that in the state of Georgia, that video didn't pass through some people with a little heart. You know what I mean? With a little compassion, with a little empathy. You're not going to tell me that those people did not see that video and felt like, oh my God, this is wrong. I know it did. But you know what they did? They sat. They just sat there. Just like you're sitting at home watching things happen. Thinking that, well, eventually the truth is going to come out. When you know the truth. So then what happens? This idiot man who recorded the video, which I don't believe this story for one moment, said, you know, he heard rumors of something about a Confederate flag and he wanted to show the video to show them that it was it was nothing regarding hate. Surely he didn't really feel that way. He was just a half ass liar. He probably had a confrontation with the father and son that murdered this woman's child and probably said, well, I'll show you. Because if he had any common sense, he would have kept that video to himself because the video, even though, I mean, I never heard anything about a Confederate flag, but the video clearly showed that, yes, there was a confrontation with this man, this man's son in Aubrey, Ahmad Aubrey, but... The father clearly had a problem with his son getting the short end of the stick. So he stood up on the back of that truck and shot that kid as if he was an animal. 
And those guys went home and went to sleep. It's crazy. The DA went home, saw that video, and those people went home and went to sleep. As if this person didn't matter. So then let me ask you, how do you think they would react if it was their child? If someone called them in their plush office or called them off of the stand or you know, from the courtroom and said, hey, um, we just want to let you know that your child was killed. And then they made up some dumb reason as to why the child was killed. And then you find out later that your child was killed for being white. Yeah, some group of black people got together and thought they would corner him and teach him a lesson and Then the black father decided that he would just shoot him. And then he went home and went to sleep, had dinner with his family. Like it was a normal day. Like he did not just take a freaking life. You don't know how that feels because you do not have to go through that. And this is what black people have been going through for decades. Now I'm a different type of being. I am because I don't believe that. You should turn the other cheek. I've never been that person. I do believe I'm a Christian woman, but I've never been that person. You know, some people say vengeance is a vengeance is of the Lord. You let God fight your battle. And I think God is saying, look, I've equipped you guys with everything you need. I have equipped you with everything you need to survive. Everything you need to survive. Why are you sitting there waiting for me to do something miraculous when I've equipped you with every single thing you need. You don't have to fight with your hands. You are smart. And I've given you the tenacity to go through school and graduate. And you have, some of you have PhDs and like JDs and you're still sitting back saying, this is wrong. You have everything you need to be in power and effect change. But you choose to sit your ass on the couch and watch this man. Put this black man in handcuffs, lay him out. First of all, I saw another another um, version of the video. So prior to George Floyd being laid out on the ground, they put him in the car, in the in the back of the police car. And then they commenced to beating his ass in the car. The best thing for this man to do was to fall out of the car so that the world can see what they were doing to him. So now he's on the ground, still hands behind his back. So you're trying to tell me that four police officers who are trained who has tasers, who have nunchucks or billy clubs or whatever they're calling it these days. They have um, guns. You're telling me that four trained police officers cannot control one man. No, they can But the thing is, they want to do more than control him. They want to beat him down. So let's get back to how I started this. 
you have the police department and then you have these gangs within the police department that are not playing by the book. So that's why, that's why the Asian guy stood shotgun watching his buddy beat this African-American man. That's why he did it. That's why he stood there and watched his buddy put his neck on his knee on this man's neck until he could no longer breathe and eventually died because they've done that before. And they both have a long rap sheet. So how often are you going to sit? How much longer are you going to sit your ass on the couch and watch everything unfold before you decide to get up and, and activate before you decide to get up and be a part of the solution? Or are you just going to sit in silence hoping that eventually things will get better? Because not only did the Asian guy do it, but the other two police officers did it as well. They just kind of sat there and figured, hey, this is what we do. And wouldn't you know, they said when he left the scene, he had a pulse and he died on the way to the hospital. And then the medical examiner said, oh, no, he didn't die of asphyxiation. That's not what killed him. It was like a combination of his health and, you know, come on. Are you kidding me? Are you telling me that if this man did not, if this man did not pretty much choke this man to death, that he would still be dead today? I beg to differ. So this is for the people who are at home sitting on the couch. Just a quick message from Desmond Tutu. If you are neutral in situations of injustice, you have chosen the side of the oppressor. You have. So if you think that this is not your problem, keep living because eventually it will be your son. It will be your brother. It will be your husband. It will be your daughter. As I sat there marching with those, as I stood there with those kids marching, those kids did not leave a name out. Say his name, George Floyd. Say his name, George Floyd. What's his name? Ahmaud Arbery. Say her name, Breonna Taylor. Keep sitting, waiting for change to come. And to not be a part of that change is doing your kids, your grandkids, and your great-grandkids and injustice. This is crazy, and you know it isn't right, and it's not worth any paycheck. I watch some of my friends when we sit down and we have these conversations. They say, yeah, you know, one of my friends um, posted something really deep on Instagram. I'm going to send it to you. And they sent it to me, and then I always hit them back with, you didn't like it. Well, yeah, you know, because some of my coworkers follow me. Well, let me tell you something. Some of your coworkers were probably uptown supporting the injustice because it's not, it's not the whole race. <laughs> it's not. It's not the whole race that's bad. Just like it's not the entire police department that's corrupt. Look, you have a group of police officers, a group of district attorneys, 
a group of judges that are all in this mess together. So they all kind of, okay, make sure you get so-and-so as the judge because we're going to need her, even though she's black, we're going to need her to go easy on this person. And this idiot does it. I'm telling you, this, this is so crazy. I'm like, as African-American people, as black and brown people, no, we do not have to go and tear shit up. We don't. We're too intelligent for that. We no longer have to do that because we have all types of degrees. But here's the problem. When some of us get to a certain level, when we get to judges and lawyers and, you know what I mean, people that are in position to make change, to affect change, all of a sudden we're on this title trip. Like, oh, but if I do that, you know, I'm up for this position. And then some of these guys know that that's how you feel. They're like, yeah, you know, ask Tanya. And then they double back and send somebody else to tell Tanya, you know, you know, you're up for that position. So, you know, just be careful. And you drink that stupid ass Kool-Aid. Meanwhile... Your people are dying and they've been dying. Your people are tired. They've been tired. And the reason why you you not only see black and brown people rioting in these cities, you see more other races, Caucasians rioting because these people don't see. I hate to say it. I hate when people say that. But my son, my son did not see some of his friends as his white friend. He never said that. It was my friend so-and-so. You know? They don't see color. They don't. But I always made it a point to teach my son his history. And we watched Roots even when it wasn't Black History Month. And whenever situations like this happen, we have to sit down and have a deep conversation about it. We're not having a conversation where he's walking around the house talking to me. I need to hear you tell me about this situation. And I'm throwing questions at him and he's throwing them back. Because I need to know that he understands what's really going on. Right, wrong, or indifferent, it is very important for you to teach your black and brown kids the truth. Stop sugarcoating that shit. Tell them the truth. I told my son, do not be surprised if you get pulled over and your friends are standing on the side and you're, you are face down in the pavement. Do not be embarrassed and talk shit to that police officer. I want you to comply and let them take you to jail and we will fight them in court. Do not let your pride get the best of you. But what I'm seeing today is that these kids are complying and they are still dying. So the KKK has a new uniform. The KKK's uniform is now the judge's robe. The police officer's uniform. The doctor's lab coat. 
The KKK has a whole new look. And they're showing up in police departments as a part of the police gang. Come on now. Some of these people are going into hospitals and they should have checked out, but they're checking out with a toe tag. And this is normal? And you're okay with that? And you're sitting your ass home watching the whole thing unfold on TV. No, you do not have to go uptown and throw a brick through a window. But if you have kids, you should have put your kids in the car and you should have put some ice in a cooler and buy you a $3.99 case of water and drive uptown and pop your trunk. Because I saw so many people doing that yesterday. I saw so many people in their 70s and 80s walking the streets with their grandkids, whether they believed what those kids were saying or not. But they were out there being supportive, barely making it down the street in a peaceful protest. Stop letting the media fool you. Your your presence doesn't always mean that there's going to be a riot. There are so many things happening and so many people out there having conversations. Even police officers were out there having conversations with the kids that were so upset. They were crying and yelling and shouting, screaming at the top of their lungs. If you sit home and watch life happen, you are going to be very upset. When your black and brown kids end up in the situation of Ahmaud Arbery or Breonna Taylor or George Floyd, you're going to be sitting there trying to find answers. And the answer is, get your ass up and be a part of the solution. Because if this was your job, man, if you were in corporate America, soon as you heard they were having a meeting, you were the first one at the freaking table talking about the department that you're in and your degree. And, you know, I just want to talk about how we're going to handle this. Because that's what we do, right? But when it comes to matters that affect the community, a lot of us would rather just have the conversation in our kitchen and not let our white counterparts know that we are bothered by it. And I know what I'm talking about because I'm a hairstylist and I have these conversations with my clients. And my question to them is always, why didn't you say that? Why didn't you say something? But instead, you'll wait until one of your girlfriends piss you off and then you'll start tweeting all your personal business that you should discuss in your kitchen, right? Or when your boyfriend dumped you, you would put that shit on social media when that should be a kitchen conversation. But the conversation that needs to be spoken out loud, you save that. You save that for the phone or you make that the water cooler conversation. Meanwhile, your entire race is under attack and they're dying And with some of our kids, they only have their friends who don't look like them to support them. I met a woman the other day 
She works at Walmart. They live an hour away. Her granddaughter is 17. And her granddaughter said, she called her grandma and said, Grandma, I just saw this um, protest on Facebook and all my friends are asleep. Can you please take me to Charlotte? So they drove from Salisbury to Charlotte. And her grandma's about my age. She's 17 years old. And they marched all through Charlotte. I didn't even talk to them until the kids were headed to the uh, interstate. And I said to the woman, I was like, oh, I'm not going up there. Are you going up there? And she was like, I don't know. And she looked at her granddaughter and her granddaughter said, well, grandma, if if it's breaking the law, I don't want to do it. So then they turned around and they walked with me and we walked back to our car. But at that point, we realized that the leadership of the protest had changed. And it's a good thing we left because by the time I got home, things had gotten violent. But you got to have these conversations with your kids. And if you don't do it, at least your parents or allow a sister or brother to have these conversations with them. Because once again, if you're not a part of the solution then you're okay with the problem. You're a part of the problem. This conversation went in a whole different way, but I got to get out of here. Um, we'll talk again soon. Um, you know, my heart is heavy. If you know my story, you know my heart is heavy. And I'm going to go back out there tomorrow and protest again. <laughs> and I'll have to be quarantined for the next couple of days. But so far, so good. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. Um, always remember that if you are neutral in situations of injustice, then you have chosen the side of the oppressor. I'm Tanya Stokes, and we'll talk soon.